No, no. All right. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood Tell me honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do Is take away longest road from you, yeah Welcome to these tabletop sessions Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to these tabletop sessions Hello, fellow gregarious geeks and gamers, and welcome to the 40th, is it 40 already? 40th episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast. This is your monthly dose of tabletop gaming stories and shenanigans. My name is Elias, and with me this week, my number three, number two, and number one, it's Hippocrates. Oh, hello, guys. This is 40th episode. I'm so excited. Uh, it's, I was never expecting this. I feel like I'm an old, experienced You, you made podcaster. it. You made it, Ipo. You made it. Should, I, should we say that we're uh, like experienced podcasters now? I mean, can I put it in my CV? I think so. I mean, I can because I do everything like planning, recording, <laughs> editing, okay, publishing. You, you, can, you can just add production. But... <laughs> But as a podcaster. Yeah. A podcast host, even. Yeah. Podcast host, yes. Just How be like entertainment that? host, talk show host, you know? And I'm, <laughs> sh- I'm sure the offers will get thrown at you. It's so funny that it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's very true. It's very true. I would, <laughs> I would give f- you your own television show. Well, Maybe radio show. We don't want to put your face on camera if we can. Exactly. If we can yes. help. <laughs> yes, I think we should apologize to our friends because uh, we didn't uh, provide the TTS does TTS. Yeah, sorry. That's partially everyone's fault and partially my fault. We we tried to do it twice. The first time, basically, we were all kind of not in. There was a bunch of technical issues, so. We did like a test run, then we scheduled like a proper one. And then I just had some stuff happen that day and I couldn't get to it. So I canceled it. But maybe, maybe someday we'll get to it. And uh, Byron's already been in touch with me secretly, trying to schedule TTS as TTS with just him. So uh, I don't know know if you're jealous or if uh, it makes you uh, feel possessive in any way. That's okay. Embrace no, I was thinking that uh, destiny is basically preventing uh, or protecting our <laughs> listeners from uh, watching our faces <laughs> live or uh, recorded. Perhaps, uh, perhaps. Although we did release the Neanderthal playthrough, all three parts, all 11 turns of the game on YouTube to excellent reception. The first two videos made it on the BGG front page and I was so grateful to everyone. It was awesome. And uh, even some comments have come up now where the people are saying, oh, thank you so much for this series of Neanderthal. It really helped me get started with the game. I keep going back to it for clarifications on the rules. I really appreciate the style of video getting around. Anyway, the point is like, hey, it helped somebody. So other than just being a fun thing to do, I'm really grateful that, you know, a couple of people have enjoyed it. And you can check that out on our YouTube channel if you're interested, although it does run quite long. Yes, and it's great, and I, I recommend it. You have no idea. You've not watched it. 
Definitely not. <laughs> you, have, you have no idea because I haven't yet heard your of all the playthroughs I've put on. I've signed them all three of. I've signed off of all all three of them with the same thing, and you don't know what that is because you haven't made a comment on it. But so I know I, you're not. But I clicked uh, like in all of them. <laughs> well, that's that's so just that, lying to the audience. That is what m- that is. That means something. So f- to the audience, please go there and click the like. You don't need to listen <laughs> or to, to watch it. <laughs> that's all we want from you. No. That's <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> if if that is your thing, check it out. Um, if it's not, that's cool too. Um, I totally get not wanting to watch four hours of a dude talking to himself. So um, yeah, but it is out there for those who are interested in that kind of thing, that sort of Ricky Royal Rado sort of thing, but more TTS style, which means a lot more fumbling and cussing. So <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> But you know, My God. Be, because it took me a long time to put it together, and I just just the way things have been recently, I've canceled a lot of game days. Just we've had some heavy things happen on our side, so like I've only actually played like three games since the last recording: Stationfall, Neanderthal, and Antiquity. Granted, Antiquity, so that's all you really need to play. But um, you've been on a bit on a tear. You've been playing a bunch of games, haven't you? So, so you played only three games, but three great games. That's true. I played a lot of games, but only once each one of them. Uh, I played Stationfall, I played 1830, I played uh, Dominant Species Marine, I played Innis, which is an excellent game. I, uh, it always reminds me every time I play it. Mm-hmm. I played Mar- Maracaibo, but I want to play it again before reviewing that game, so... Uh, I give a promise there to have a review in a future episode. If we promise something, we never do it. So maybe best not to. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it depends also on Hamad because it's his game. And uh, after three months, he was very excited to play a lot of games. So we played two weekends in a row and then zip, he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I haven't seen him for the last two or three weeks. I'm texting him. Are you going to come to the board game night? No. So as you say, maybe it won't happen. Maybe it will. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Uh, have you picked, have you uh, picked up any new games recently? Anything? Oh, I have some news actually. Uh, so you know, guys oh. remember I did the twilight Imperium book, which whatever it's out. We told you last time, but I got cast for a small part in a uh, in the Arkham series, Arkham Horror. <laughs> no way. No so, way. Come on. <laughs> so now I'm in uh, Arkham Horror and Twilight Imperium. Granted, I'm not a major part of the Arkham Horror uh, books, but I'm in there. See if you can find me. I do three separate roles in it with three different accents. <laughs> so see if you can find so, me so, in one of them. You know, that, that's the most, you know, talking is the most important part of acting. Oh, so, absolutely. I am an actor. Yeah, so would you think that going to the next uh, stage and uh, present yourself in a... You know, I would love to, in, but in, my... In, my, the big, my, in the big screen? I would love to, but my face won't allow it. You know, that's the problem. No, but I mean, every, no, you can play certain characters that fits your... Uh, are you saying I can, play, I can play an ugly guy? <laughs> no, I'm saying you can play the, the Arab terrorist, but... Oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. <laughs> 
I don't stereotyping. Get, I don't get enough stereotyping day to day. Being six foot three, three hundred pounds, bearded man. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not enough. I get that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe you know what's funny is, uh, and I don't think this will give anything away because it's only really in the script. One of the characters had one line in the Arkham Horror book that I played, and his name in the script was Bearded. <laughs> so, so actually, I am perhaps being stereotyped a little bit so even in audio. Guy. I'm that guy. Bearded. God. <laughs> not the not white bearded guy. Yeah, he was white, I think. <laughs> he wasn't he was in uh, Arkham after all. All right. And uh, as you know, uh Lovecraft was not too fond of foreigners, so I don't think he included many foreigners <laughs> unless they were the bad guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was Lovecraft. Yeah, it was oh a very xenophobic, oh uh, you know, small town uh, dude. But uh, Did you have any modifications on the original script? or? Uh... No, uh, we, we played around with a few lines and stuff, and I got to do some Cthulhu chanting. Which was fun, <laughs> like uh, what? what? Oh man, I I need to hear that now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the Cthulhu chanting. Oh man, yeah. So there's some Cthulhu chanting. There's some uh, French stuff under my breath, like oh no, to the ball. You know that's. <laughs> that's oh, that's. A... <laughs> oh, you're doing some serious stuff there. Oh yeah, I'm a serious actor. I'm a thespian, as they say. Um, no, no, no. I mean, the, you know, I'm I'm really uh, ten years back. So all the audiobooks I have listened to were all just narrative. You know, just uh, a guy reading a text. So you, you have yeah, the, no, no women allowed. The, no, <laughs> just, just a guy. So this this is like the dramatized version of uh, yeah, of the yeah. book. So I do I do full narrations, but also like. With graphic audio specifically, we do these dramatized adaptation, and they're super fun, like sound effects and music. And it's not for everybody, but also a lot of people that don't usually listen to audiobooks are like it. You know, they they like the whole movie in your mind thing. So, um, it's very cool. It reminds me of the old BBC radio dramas, and I used to. I was love gonna those. say that. Yeah. I was gonna say it doesn't remind me of the BBC radio dramas. It reminds me of Ert Ena, which is the Greek national uh, radio. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that will resonate <laughs> with drama, a lot of our listeners. They, they had theatrical plays and they were dramatizing the, you know, in the, for the radio. The, yeah. No, the uh, you know, actually, the first audiobook, let's call it, that I listened to was a recording of the BBC audio drama of uh, Foundation. It was uh, BBC Presents. Really? Foundation. Second found no, Foundation. Foundation and Empire second foundation so it was the first three books compiled into one radio drama and it was excellent it really sold me on audiobooks so, really uh, there you I, go. I don't know i think I'm, I'm a visual guy even if someone you know explains the rules to me i prefer to read the rules rather than listening to the rules totally i i i, fa I phase out i cannot focus for a long time i usually i phase out sure so i mean Ironically, the reason that I like I do audiobooks is because I like reading books. So I get to read books <laughs> as a job. Like, so you just don't recommend somebody no, listening. No, I also I also listen to audiobooks. <laughs> but there's certain books I wouldn't like I remember the first go through I did of like the Broken Earth trilogy, 
uh, N.K. Jemsen. I listened to it, and it's an amazing narrator, Robin Miles. She's amazing. But I, I struggled a lot because she keeps changing perspective and stuff. So when I read it, I had a much better experience with it. So oh. I think depending on the book, different styles are better for different things, you know? So I wouldn't do an audio drama of uh, Dante's Inferno or <laughs> Divine Comedy. Oh, but, interesting. <laughs> but like... You th- actually, it might be good. I, I, I don't know. I, you think it's the... You think it's the source that makes the difference? I thought it was the receiver. So the- I think it's both, but I think you can like certain things are better as a video game. Certain things are better as a series versus a movie. True. I think the, you should so adapt true. the medium. And speaking of, you know what's best as a podcast? The tabletop sessions by. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it couldn't be a blog. It couldn't be a, a script or a. Uh, a book or a newspaper. Keep going, keep going. Must, keep going. I'm sure it's very interesting. A, it must be a podcast. <laughs> it must uh, be. And since we have this podcast uh, talking about the games we played, we should I probably do to, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I took you this week, uh, or should I say this month, uh, about the, the game that I played uh, two weeks ago, and uh, it's Steam. Remember, I have uh, Age of Steam. Age of Steam is a game from 2002 uh, that uh, I used to own. But uh, this summer I went to Greece. I I went to my famous uh, board game basement and I couldn't find it. So it's another story of these amazing games that I think I owe, but I don't. And it's it's the (laughs) third time this happens. I mean... You know, I I lost the Maher. But you definitely own it because I've played your copy. I used to, but now I can't. If, if I cannot find it, do I still own it? I mean, that's a theoretical question. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in my, uh, my PhD uh, thesis defense. If you do not find it, can you still own it? Um, but yeah, I failed. It's, anyway. it's like the the cat in the box. What is this? The Heisenberg? How do you call this? Uh, not Heisenberg uncertainty. It's um, what's it's it called? It, it it might be Schrodinger. The it Schrodinger's might, cat. The, the, thank you. The Schrodinger's uh, age of steam. Uh, <laughs> that might be in the basement. Might not be in the basement. Or I really just want to find it because I think your basement has a portal to Arkham. Um, and uh, we can we can pull up some elder gods from it because at this point it's impossible that you're losing this many games by just putting them in the base. That's wonderful what you said now. I, I, I mean, you just improved my idea of my basement so much. <laughs> like if it could be, yeah, it could be in another folder. Anyways, so the Age of Steam was the original uh, 2002 uh, Martin Wallace game. Uh, but uh, for certain reasons that uh, I'm not uh, really qualified to say, <laughs> he came up with a second edition with his own company in 2009 with uh, a slightly different title, which is Steam instead of <laughs> Age of Steam. Anyway, the well, game is basically the same. Actually, sorry. My, my, one of my favorite fun facts is for for a hot second, maybe as a joke, or I think it was for a single con event, it was called Martin Wallace's totally renamed train game. 
that, that, that um, would be so funny. He should have stick that, to that. He really should have. Um, but yeah, it's basically the same game, isn't it? It is basically the same game. There are some improvements that uh, I was not aware. And I, to be honest, I watched a, a video review from Tom Vassell that uh, he reviews only the differences between Age of Steam, Steam, and uh, what is the third game that came out after that? The Railways of the World. Mm. Uh, but basically, uh, even if you watch this, uh, he uh, the outcome his his idea is that Steam is basically the best of the three. Okay. Uh, which is basically Age of Steam improved and uh, maybe smooth light a little bit. Uh, so Steam, for the people that don't know the game, it's a game for three to five players. It's uh, best played with four players, but we played five. Uh, where the basic concept is that uh, you have a map of uh, a certain region, and there are cubes laid on the board on certain uh, cities, and you have to deliver these cubes to the city of their respective color along a track that you lay down. So you construct the track and then you, uh, you deliver the cubes. For each city you pass as you go, you increase your income uh, or your victory points by one. And that's basically the whole game. You play eight rounds and you start uh, with uh, phase one, each round, where you get a loan. You don't have any money. The game is so harsh <laughs> and it shows directly to you that th this is not a, a walk in the playground. You're going to uh, give some blood and sweat to, to get some money. So the first thing you do is uh, you lose income. So you go to minus income in the beginning of the game to get a loan. Uh, so no cash in the beginning. In uh, the next phase, you can lay three tracks and pay the cost, which is uh, which depends on where you build the track. So if there is a city uh, where you build or if there's a mountain, things like that. And then twice, you can deliver a cube uh, from a city to another city or upgrade your engine. What is the engine? It's uh, a mechanism that allows you to deliver goods to uh, further away so for each uh, city stop that uh, you have in your track to deliver the goods you need uh, the same uh, power of engine so if you need to deliver a good two cities away you need an engine of two or more uh, so why not to build a huge engine from the beginning because there is maintenance costs in the end of each round. And yes, you receive some income, but you have to pay expenses. And the size of your engine is a maintenance cost. So you finish the first round, you finish the second round, and you're not making actual money. You Sometimes you're not even making any money. So you get another loan. And for its income you lose, you get five coins that you need to auction the turn order with the other players. So not only you need the, uh, the money to uh, do the maintenance and to pay for your uh, tracks that you lay, 
but also there is an auction in the, in the beginning of each turn where you try to get uh, uh, the first uh, order, the, to be first in the turn order, uh, which is very important because uh, if you go first, you can uh, uh, decide on a benefit that you might get, which is like uh, get extra cubes in your cities or uh, improve your engine or lay one more tile or play first where you lay drugs or you deliver things. Uh, so all these things are very important. Basically, it's a game that is very tight in uh, money-wise. It's uh, very tight in uh, space-wise. So there are certain corridors that other people uh, might block you. So you want to uh, connect your city to another city, but there's only uh, three or four uh, ways to, to connect and all are blocked now. So you need to uh, respond to that uh, situation. Uh, it's tight for deliveries because each city only has three cubes on it. So, okay, you deliver these three goods. Now you need to find another way to produce some income. It's tight on uh, engine improvement because uh, every turn uh, you can lose or you can replace one of your two deliveries to upgrade your engine, but then you lose income. So do mm. you want to lose... 50% of your income just to improve your engine. Uh, it's very... So all of these things are so tight. And at the same time, it's very loose on loans. So every turn you're going to get a new loan. Every time you're going to get... You're going to need more cash. And... Uh, okay, I know that the game says that uh, instead of getting cash, you might get victory points. But in reality, you can only think about victory points in the last rounds. In the beginning, you just... Uh, think about gas. I think you're struggling with the same thing I struggle with, with Age of Steam. I love Age of Steam. Like, I think it's a brilliant. I've only played it once or twice, once or twice. Um, and I've played a bunch of games like it, like, you know, the Irish Gage and those series and uh, Tramways and stuff like that, which is all inspired by. Um, and I really think Age of Steam is a great game. No criticism. But I struggle to explain why. <laughs> Like, oh. I know it's a great game. I'm listening to you, and I'm like, man, this game sounds uh, really boring. Okay, <laughs> it's so not. It, it's not. Okay. It's a great game, right? That's, like, that's a very good point you are doing right now. Yeah. Because the, my next sentence was, I love this game. <laughs> Why do I love this game? I think it's be because every. Uh, decision and so important because if you deliver one good one city further away this one plus income is so important it might be uh, uh, moving your income from two to three so it's 33 percent it's it's not uh, it's a big deal doing yeah. that so and this shows to your income shows to your cash shows to the game to the victory points uh, basically uh, also for people that uh, have played 18xx, for me, it's an 18xx without the calculations that you can play in a quarter of the needed time. Okay, of course, you don't have all these, uh, uh, you know, detailed uh, uh, nuances of uh, uh, manipulation of the stocks and things like that. But the essence, I feel, of the blocking other people's path and uh, trying to make uh, more income than uh, the other players 
it's there. So I, I believe the soul of 18xx, it is in a Steam game. So it's highly recommended for people that don't have the time to play on a weekday uh, the N18XX. And for all people out there, I think, not only for, for those, not only for no, 18 xx No, it's an excellent game. And it's not like, it might sound when he uses these words, uh, trains, root building, stocks, income, loans. It sounds complicated, but it isn't. Like the rule set isn't that complicated. It's complication comes from, how you play together, the different maps. I'm not saying it's a beginner's game, but like if you can play like a medium weight game, you can play this game. And uh, it's really rather great. And uh, I definitely, definitely also would, I haven't played Steam, but Age of Steam is one. I really wanted my own copy, but I want that cool new, uh, you know, tool one. And for some reason it's priced ridiculously high. So um, I'm just waiting to get like a used copy or something because I just not in the mood to pay 150 bucks for any game at this point. So, yeah. as you said, the strategy is very deep, but at the same time, the rules, the basic concept is so easy to understand because you're just trying to move a yellow cube through uh, train tracks to a yellow city. Yeah. That's all the concept. <laughs> That's the concept. That's Definitely. all you're trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's highly true. recommended. I that's kind of where I made the relationship to Irish Gage and those games. It has that, you know, this city wants this demand. Are you going to meet this demand? So those games like are the spirit of Age of Steam, but in a fraction of the time, like the whole game maybe takes half an hour or maybe 40 minutes at most. So if you're not sure if you'd like this and you can get a cheap copy of one of those games, uh, Irish Gage or Beer Engage and so on, those are a good way to know if you'll enjoy the game, I think. It's the same feeling. I believe the mechanism is called pick up and deliver. I don't know if there were other games before Steam. I'm sure the there mechanism. were. I'm sure there are yeah, games in sure. the 80s where you're like, yeah, in yeah, space doing that. Or maybe not, not famous ones, maybe. Perhaps. So that so was Steam. Great, so check it out. To play, to Martin play Wallace's game. totally renamed train game. <laughs> I'm sure you and, can think of a copy of that. And <laughs> I want to add, we played it five players in two hours, two and a half hours, something like that. Very and three of the five, uh, they, it was their first time. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Great game. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you for that. I think the game I'm about to talk about weirdly connects to Steam in the way that it's kind of its opposite <laughs> of Steam. And I'll, I'll 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 come back to that in a second. But just so like there's no the, Steam in that game. There's, there's no, definitely no Steam. No boiling. <laughs> Well, I did mention it earlier, and I posted a playthrough of it, so you can check it out. I played Neanderthal from Sierra Madre Games, designed by Phil Eklund. Uh, I've played it three times, all solo, and the last one of which I played and put on our YouTube channel, um, and it's the only one I've ever won, so check it. <laughs> check it. It's um, a great video. Shut up, people. <laughs> Okay, who can edit this uh, moment? <laughs> right. Some people are watching it. People have commented, okay? I know they exist. No, of, of, anyway. co of course. I, 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 to be serious, I want to buy this game and uh, try it solo. I, I really want to do that. Okay. So, um, solo, I, the idea of the game, I can only talk about the solo game. So, that's what I'm going to do. 
you, in the solo game, you play all three species. The game plays one to three players, comes with three species, Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, and Archaic Man, which is like an amalgamation of some of the um, other, you know, proto-human, uh, proto-homo uh, sapien uh, species. And you play all three when you're doing the solo game, and your goal, as opposed to the regular game, which is just to get the most points, you want to get two out of your three species to a tribal state with at least one domesticated animal each. If you can do that, you win. I score it anyway just to see how I did, whether I lose or win. Um, but um, uh, that's if you do that, you win the solo game. If you don't, you lose. All right. Okay, wait. When you said domesticated uh, animal, any animal, it could be a cat or a dog? Well, no. You'd have to go hunt that animal, learn how to domesticate it, and then domesticate it. <laughs> I don't know what you so, mean. Yeah, but so so it could be a sheep or a goat. Yeah, or like a... in the last game, one of the things I had was the willow ptarmigan domesticated, which was a bird. And uh, and the other one, I think, was like an ibex, which is like a kind of goat or an auroch or something oh. like that. Because so, I was thinking, yeah. if there's a cat in the game, it's going to sell crazy. I mean, they're, they're cats, but they're <laughs> like saber-toothed cats. <laughs> they try, oh, to, try to eat Okay. You. All right, so <laughs> I'm just going to do a brief run-through of the game. I don't want to go... If you want to check the breakdown, the reason I picked that game to do this in-depth playthrough... Um, and by the way, I upgraded the playthrough setup so we have like green screens or we can close up on cards and it's actually quite easy to follow along. But the reason I did that is this is the kind of game that you need to see played. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for it, which I'll go into later. But um, the first things I want to talk about is basically... At the beginning, there's an event phase. So you draw this card, and this is where things, the game happens to you, right? Elders might die, populations can't be supported, wander, people is wander this, Is this uh, only the solo game? No, no, this is in every game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There might be global warming, global cooling, etc. And then you flip that card over, and it becomes the culture auction, which is in this game, the way that culture progresses is through daughters. So the men are just hunters, and really that's all they are. Um, they're hunters, or they can become eventually elders. But women promote culture, development of the brain, development of the tribe. So uh, the way that you progress as a species is through these daughters, which you're basically bidding on in the culture auction. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that sounds so feministic, but uh, you just... But, yeah, but then everything. I just... Yeah, it's a little bit... Yeah, <laughs> it's Phil Eklund. So just understand that we understand this. Anyway, so at this point, somebody wins it. You assign your hunters. If you're playing a multiplayer, even in a solo, you can do this. There's negotiation and attacks if you're in the same place. It's almost non-existent in the solo game, but I intentionally went to the same place and did some negotiation because it got me out of a really bad position I was in where one species was doing really well and the other wasn't. And I kind of helped them out through negotiation. You then roll for the hunt and then you do the end of the phase, which is portal or neolexia. So that's basically where your daughters can help your brain develop towards tribal state or your brain can help mature your daughters and your elders and your husbands and stuff. Um, this is a very. I'm, so, uh, I'm sorry, but I was just thinking the negotiations between uh, Cromagnon and Neanderthals. Like, oh, ah, ah, it, it's actually ah, very funny ah. because in in the rules, you cannot negotiate until you have a chief. Okay, so you're tribal and have a chief. 
Now, if you're not and, tribal, and the language, <laughs> if you're not tribal, well, the game is based around language. If you're not tribal, in the game it says that you can only say "ook" or "ook ook." <laughs> so, so the the tribal person will make you basically an offer, and then if you say if it's yes, you say "ook." If it's no, you say "ook ook." <laughs> I was so close. Yeah, you were. Um, so yeah, so let me get into the game. So from a solo game, auctions aren't exciting. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not bidding against myself. I'm bidding the minimum possible bid. Um, but it's still a big decision to make because literally every auction that comes out, basically all three species could gain some benefit from them. So it is a good choice to make, but it's not so much an auction. I would love to see what an auction is like in a multiplayer game so i need to find two people crazy enough to actually play this game with me um, oh dima is not one of them i don't think so i think just trying to teach her the rules might she might file for divorce so uh next <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we go to um another thing i want to talk about is there's a ton of dice rolling in the game um it only really happens in one phase which is where you're rolling for the hunt so like let's say i send eight tribes hunters to uh, hunt this um, saber-toothed cat or whatever. Um, I roll the dice, I roll eight dice, and it might hit on only a one or a two, might only hit on a one. Uh, sixes might be frostbite if I don't have a fire starter. Fours and fives might actually just kill them no matter what. So there is a very significant element of luck. Now, in a solo game, I like that because I, I'm, I'm handling three different hands and I need bad things to happen. I can't just, it can't be deterministic when it's solo. I do feel luck is necessary, but I think that in a competitive game, if I went and sent half my tribe yeah. somewhere and then rolled a dice and then didn't get a one, I might like be really pissed yeah, off. Yeah, people yeah. get sour. Yeah, exactly. So I do think this is better for the solo game than the competitive, but it's it's in both. My favorite part of the game is the portal or neolexia phase. So in this game, what you're constantly managing is something called your vocabulary. It's like different language that is either available, it's used up by the amount of involvement that males have in being parents. So depending on your sexuality, if you're if you're like pair bonding, male basically have no, uh, they're not really taking care of their kids, right? So there's more resources available because just the women are taking care of the kids. Whereas if it's more like, um, uh, what is it? Uh, not harem holding, but uh, promiscuous then there has to be a lot of male involvement because there's no familial units, right? Stuff like that, abstract concept. But over the course of the game, you're basically adding these language tokens to various part of this physical brain that's drawn on your player card. And once you get all the tokens on there, you can become tribal. So you flip it over to its tribal state. At this point, you're considered to have a fully developed brain. Um, so the portal in your Alexia phase is where you're your, your your tribe, your people oh help you develop God. your brain or your brain helps you develop your tribe. And the thing is, this is where the game is won and lost, but you can only do one of it every time. Not one portal, one Neolexia. You do one portal or one Neolexia. Sorry, and, not yeah. knowing your background, is this uh, thematically correct? I mean... It's uh, a very good point, that, and I will get to that later. <laughs> I okay, have a whole because I was that. thinking, yeah, I thought culturally we get... We got to have tribes and not because our brain evolved. 
Yes, and and no, and and it is culture. It's considered culture. Um, so so the development of the brain is like an abstract thing of like okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's just an abstract concept. It's not actual like brain development. It's they're called portals. They're connecting different parts of the brain through culture cards is what's okay. doing it. So you're correct. Oh, um, so basically the thing is, every turn you want to do a bunch of them if you can, but you can only do one, and I think that's really the best decision in this game. Um. It's especially in the solo game. Again, I think it's less valuable in a multiplayer game because you only need to have the most points in a multiplayer game, which means you don't actually need to become tribal if you're getting a lot of points in your non-tribal state. But when the win condition is to become tribal, it's critical to develop that brain and also to help mature different parts of your your, your peoples. So I really enjoy that part of the game. Part of the year, like I said, I think it's the most interesting part of the game. So how do you get the victory points? Well, depending on what your sexuality is, you have different things that everything is weighed differently. So you might get it from domesticating animals, uh, having technologies, having husbands, having daughters, having uh, hunters available, having trophies from overhunting. So like when you overhunt an area, you take it into your hand as a trophy, but that area of the biome doesn't get repopulated with any animal species. And also there's like, uh, there's like a ice age coming on. So like parts are freezing. So basically as the game goes on, the hunting grounds become less and less full of animals as you overhunt and the ice age comes on. So you get less choices in where to send everybody. And it's super interesting. Um, what an interesting concept. Yeah. I was going to say that. So here's the thing about the game. I could talk all day about the mechanisms, then that's really an issue with the game and we'll, we'll talk about that. But what I wanted to say first, I want to say good things here. I think it's a very, very unique game and it scratches my brain in a way that no other game scratches my brain. It's not the best game I've played by a long shot. Like the concepts are clunky. Even me trying to explain it here without the game in front of me, I would say is near impossible. Um, which is why I felt like playing through the game is really the only way to teach the game well. Like if I just explain the game to you, you aren't really going to get it until you play through it or watch me play through it. Um, it's also very fiddly. You'll see a lot of times in the playthrough, me trying to place things on top of each other and things falling down and, you know, so it's fiddly and there's tons of dice rolls, which in a multiplayer and it's, game. And it's not your fingers. It's uh, the game. <laughs> It was definitely partially my. The way I set it up, I was using my left hand, and I'm right-handed. But uh, I learned for next time. Anyway, um, the thing about the game is um, the events, the dice rolls in a solo game. They're really good because they do make you stumble, and um, it, it, it's not it's not easy. The game isn't easy, so you do feel good when you come through in the end. So it, 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 the difficulty factor and the uncertainty factor is nice in this game. I would only recommend this game to you if you are looking for something <laughs> that is deliberately unique and opaque in its strategy. You might play through this game and not know what the hell just happened. That's how it feels. I thought, I thought you were going to say, I will only recommend this game to you, period. <laughs> not to any other person on I would recommend this just, game to you to, to try me. for sure to you Ipo. for for sure uh, I want to try yeah um, well it's it, it's Sierra Madre. It's, of course it's trying try. to be deliberately different like it, it doesn't follow familiar patterns at all um the thing is 
a lot of times your decisions feel very small. So it doesn't feel like you have a grand strategy. It's like, well, I guess, you know, the best thing I could do is try to remove this orange token to mature this person. And then maybe I could get a couple of babies and expand my tribe, you know. But those small decisions, when they add up, they matter a lot, right? My friend Alistair said, I played this years ago, but he said, by played, I mean mostly just fiddled around, unsure of whether anything I did mattered. And that's very true. If you're not, the game is opaque. It's hard to know if what you're doing does anything. And that's where I was connecting it to Age of Steam. So Age of Steam, you said, wasn't super complex rules-wise, but your small decisions mattered a lot. It might go from two to three income, and that's a massive increase in your income. Big difference. Here, the rules are very complicated, and the things that you do are very small. They don't seem to make a big impact on you, but when you add them together, it's like a momentum shift for each of them. So you can look back, and even in my video, I point out a couple times and during the videos where a small decision that I didn't think mattered at the time could have been the difference between me and losing. So in the game, not to spoil anything, but for my winning comes down to a hunt in the last turn, a roll in the last turn, but it didn't have to. If I thought ahead and done something a little different the turn before, I just, it seemed not important the turn before, but it was important. So it's very much like a currents game. Like it's, 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 you move with the waves and you have to make small decisions that eventually lead you somewhere. So another thing is, again, I touched on this a bunch, be prepared to do a lot of research if you're going to learn it, because the rule book is not clear at all. Right. And like, it's really complicated and not clear. And to be, I mean, Phil Eklund, I'm not going to talk about his political views, you know, whatever the fuck he wants to think. It's He can think what he wants to think. The problem is he insists on including his thoughts on everything. So everything he writes in the rule book, he has a footnote with his perspective on everything. So the game is already super complicated and it's filled with like Phil's musings. And it's just irritating, right? You can literally find a rule book online where they've just removed all of Phil's like personal thoughts <laughs> and put those, and it's like a quarter of the length. I'm not joking. Like it's so, and no, I mean, I appreciate, uh, you know, uh, designers notes in a rule book, but they should be separated uh, clearly. Yeah, put, and put it separate. Or... Yeah. Put it separate. And we can choose whether to read it or not, but not in the middle. Like sometimes half the page is footnotes and the footnotes have nothing to do with the game. They're just his explanations on why, this is uh, accurate or his thoughts on a topic or whatever. It's fine to be there, but just put it in an appendix at the end. And the thing is, I love when a game gets me interested in a topic. Like I love when I play a war game and like, I, I wasn't familiar with it and I end up like researching and getting a book about it, but it's a little less interesting when the game tries to lecture you on the topic. Right? So if he had just put the scientific information on there with sources, that would have been interesting to me. But then when he starts putting his own perspective and being like, like, I get that he's a rocket, he was a rocket scientist or whatever, but he's, he's definitely not a, like, uh, whatever you want to, what do they call Anthropologist or Anthropologist, exactly. Like, I don't actually care what your perspective is, right? If you want to put your references, great, but I don't care to be lectured to. 
So just but it's my game, so I can I will put there whatever yeah, I want. I'm just giving my and I'm giving my <laughs> thoughts on it. So the the end the end of all of this is all this is adding together. I know it's been a little confusing, much like the game itself, is that it's a very very good solo game. If you want something intentionally complicated and obtuse, otherwise, it's extremely frustrating to learn. Unless you watch my video, it's really very helpful. <laughs> point. Good point. And even a little frustrating to play at times because of certain luck factors in the game. So take for that what you will. For example, this is a game I like enough that I'm keeping. And not just keeping, I think it's one of my better solo games. Like, I'm excited to get it back to the table for me. But I also don't think I can recommend it to 9 out of 10 people. Right, But if you are the one out of 10 people that is willing to suffer through a rule set that is intentionally complicated and play something that is intentionally difficult to understand and that excites you, then you'll love it. Um, man, you bet I am. You bet I am. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my I, thoughts I, on the end. I, I also want to add that uh, one other major difference for, from Steam is that Steam is uh, completely deterministic. That's true. That's true. The only fun, uh, the only uh, random uh, fact in the game is the turn order of the first turn. That's for sure. I I mean, (laughs) I didn't mean to connect. I just, I just wanted to be because you you touched specifically on simple rule set, and um, the other thing you said. The other thing you said was your decisions matter a lot each time, and in this game. It's very complicated, and while your decisions do matter, sometimes it's hard to know if they do. Right? It's not as simple as my income went from two to three. You know, it's like in three turns. Oh man, I really wish I had done that. You know, I really wish <laughs> I had given. No, um, no it, yeah, it was it was a very useful uh, comparison. Yes, I, I, for me at least. So yeah, so so, so I don't mean to be negative on it, and I, and I'm not there. You know, Phil Eklund, whatever you want to think of him, you know, I don't have the best impressions of him, but I'm not going to judge a person based on his perspectives alone. He's welcome to think whatever he wants to think, but I, I'm just talking about the game, and the game could have used a bit of yeah. less fill and more simplification of the rules, and then if he wanted to, he could put a whole book in there. It's his game. He could put a whole book of his thoughts, references, and stuff, and that would have been great. But in the middle of that rule book, it was very infuriating. And, you know, just like, let me learn the game and have the history and your perspective, if you want, available. But at the end of the day, once you get through that nonsense, the game itself is solid. It's very good. But it, God damn, it's difficult to wrap your head around, really. And uh, I do appreciate uh, Phil Leckland as a designer and Sierra Madre games. Mm-hmm. Even f- even in games that uh, I don't really like, like uh, the game that he made about rocket uh, science. Uh, can't, do you remember the name now? The Yeah, High Frontier. Exactly, thank you. High Frontier. Because I have played Living Earth and I have seen how much fun this could be. Uh, but even in High Frontier, you can see the the uh, unique view, unique approach of the theme. For sure. So, and this is what I, uh, something that I really appreciate in uh, designers, in in designs, I would say. 
Absolutely. You know how I feel about most PAX games. He created the PAX system. Like, and, and even his other games have been very good. And like, it's very solid. It's very good. The game itself is good, but you know, it's tough. It's tough to wrap your head around. Just know that. Like, I'm not going to lie to you about it. So, so uh, that was Neaterdal. Nope. Uh, it was definitely not that. <laughs> Try again. What, what was that? Neanderthal. <laughs> ne- Neanderthal. Okay, so these these people, did, did they have a language or it was just Ugug? I heard, I heard that they had a, a bit of a, what's the word, affinity for poetry and song. Oh, okay, because if they had like only one syllable words, then it would make sense <laughs> that the, the game I played, which is called Poetry for Neanderthals, uh, is a game where uh, you compete. It's a competitive word guessing game where you can only give clues by speaking in single syllables. So mm. that that's the game. So uh, the the clue could be wall to block blue from <laughs> up to down stream. What's the word? Say it again. Say it again. Wall to block blue from up to down stream. Dam? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> this is actually a word that I was trying to explain, but I couldn't find anything to replace the word water, which is two <laughs> syllables. And I failed miserably. And we were discussing with uh, the other uh, uh, friends there that. If there's, if you need to use the word water, there's nothing you can do. And I came up, I came up with the word blue now. So you got it, oh, Elias. If you only so there, you, we would have won that game. <laughs> anyway, so this is a game, uh, uh, a very new game from 2020. It falls into the category of uh, taboo and uh, uh, pff, monikers. Uh, what else do you have like that? Uh, trap word. Uh, it's a game designed by Ilan Lee, who is the designer of Exploding Kittens. Mm. So, after this huge success, he made this very, uh, let's say, easygoing game where everybody can play. But I have to be ah, yes, honest. As opposed the, to the complexity of Exploding Kittens. <laughs> yeah, this is really even uh, easier to teach and to play, I guess. <laughs> Uh, uh, I have to say I was struggling uh, in, in the beginning I didn't even want to play this game because I don't know what's one syllable in English it's not my <laughs> mother tongue and so it was funny because there was this guy English guy he was explaining to me so you know uh, both is uh, one syllable uh, pray he says it's one syllable I said why is pray one syllable he said, because pray, it's one, one. I said, it's pray, e, it's two syllables. He said, no, no, it's one. I said, okay. So in the next table, there was a teacher, <laughs> English teacher. I said, okay, come here, come here. This guy, he says, pray is one syllable. And she says, yes, of course. <laughs> I said, no, how could it be? It's pray, e, pray, e, it's two vowels. Okay, so we had this... Uh, 
pronunciation conflicts. And the English guys, they, they were thinking they know better than me. I mean, tell them lang- your language, language is older than them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were, uh, you, you, your people were speaking languages when they were still saying ook and ook ook. <laughs> but you know that English are famous for making their own uh, rules about everything. So even for syllables, they, I guess, <laughs> it was that. Even then, I, I went to Google it and, uh, uh, you know, syllable is a unit of pronunciation having one vowel sound. Oh my God, with you're, com- or, you're making my head hurt. Okay. With or without surrounding consonants. Okay. So, so with this definition, I thought that pray would be two syllables, but no, pray is one because it's one sound, they say. I don't know. Anyway, we played the game. It was fun playing it once as an experience. <laughs> But to be honest, I wouldn't recommend it playing it again. I, I guess it's a fun game. Maybe if you are uh, of a younger age, maybe for my daughters, it would it would be funnier. And I have a question. More, di- more difficult. Yeah. Why is there an inflatable club in the game? Oh yes, we didn't play with that. So if you use two syllables you're supposed to hit the person with that but i think but yeah. so uh, so there's a game called ugtech that used to be like that where one person is trying to direct the other people to build a particular structure um but they can only use certain words like kurungu kurungu <laughs> really so yeah so like urungu karungu konguku monungu and they mean things like left up <laughs> So you're trying, and it comes with a bat where like if you if you mess up the word somebody gets to hit you on the head with it. so yeah. maybe if we have played the game with the inflatable uh, bat that would be funnier and maybe I would have a different opinion right now mm. but no I don't I don't want to play this game again it was again it was funny <laughs> uh, funny enough to play it once and maybe uh, more for a younger audience right. so that was the, po- the poetry for Neanderthals Speaking of younger, um, I put a game by Eklund the Younger, not Phil Eklund, but Matt Eklund, his son. <laughs> oh my God. Who I think secretly might be the designer I like the most, because when I think about it, the two PAX games I love are Renaissance and Porphyriana, and both of them have Matt Eklund as a co-designer. So I need to get Transhumanity played to see if that holds true. But the game we played was a lot lighter than that, and it was called station fall uh it's by ion game design <sighs> matt eckland um i don't want to go too much into the game as always but the basic idea is that there's a station a space station that's crashing into earth's atmosphere in like 13 minutes ish with four players that means 13 turns ish with four players um because both times i played was with four players every game you have a random assortment of characters that are there one of which you secretly control and another of which you either want to save or make sure they die <laughs> because you either love them or you you harbored uh, some sort of secret grudge against them. And until you reveal who you are, everyone can control every character in the game. Once you reveal yourself, no one can control you, but um, everyone knows who you are and they know what you want to achieve. So you're kind of, you know, crippling yourself in that regard. But in return, by revealing, you get a special ability when you reveal yourself. So the game basically goes every turn, 
You can place some influence cubes, which you have a very limited amount of. And then with one of the people that you've influenced, you can do a couple of basic actions, which are available to everyone, or actions specific to that character, or actions specific to the location that character is in. So there's tons of different things that you can do. Here's the things that really made me want to buy the game. Some great descriptions that I heard from the box <laughs> itself. I heard box full of creative solutions, which is the best description of the game. Um, one of uh, the reviews on BGG by uh, Dark J said, Benny Hill by way of Stanley Kubrick. I love that. <laughs> that made me so happy. <laughs> And then uh, Brusaki on BGG said, the party game for heavy gamers, which is great. It's a great description. Which is exactly what uh, sold it to me. And then, of that, course, that there was last one. the quote, the Team Fortress 2 soundtrack works perfectly with it. Take that to mean whatever you will. That was, of course, Elias from Tabletop Session. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, rather than go too much into the game, let me just tell you straight up, I love this game. Like, love, love this game. Um, I just want to, it just has amazing, and the, the reason I love it is very simple. The solutions that you can come up with, like, there's so many creative ways because you can control everybody in the game. You can basically do almost anything. You just have to be a little creative. Um, but the real reason is the game just has amazing natural storytelling. It, it automatically must tell a story because all you're doing is interactive and it's crazy shit. So it's always funny. Like I was a spaceship with, I was a spaceship the first turn and my second was spaceship, space chimp. Uh, oh yes, there's an astro chimp in the game. And I, 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 my, my friend or whatever was the billionaire. So I had to save, you know, his dog. <laughs> that, that was the goal for that. So like I landed on earth as the astro chimp with a suitcase under one arm and Fletcher the pug in the other arm. And I'm just trying to imagine like the rescue team coming to get this like landed capsule and like a chimp comes out holding a pug in a suitcase. Um, and one of the games we played, my friend Matt was the exile, which their main goal is based around compromat, which is like compromising material, right? Which you blackmail people with. And uh, so he had tons of compromat in the game. He just kept collecting compromat. And his, his brother, Chris was the daredevil. So he was prideful, so he couldn't be robbed. But we needed to get this artifact off of him because he would get a lot of points. He had a helmet, so he couldn't be attacked with a bludgeon. So we couldn't rob him, and we couldn't knock him out because he had a helmet. And no one had a gun in the game because the print lab was destroyed. The only gun in the whole game was the one that comes built in to the security bot. And the security bot cannot attack characters. It, it, it only attacks criminals right so matt talking about creative solutions check this out Ipo. he got he he gets his plan was to get the security bot in the same room as the daredevil and he happened to have the compromat of the daredevil because he kept collecting compromat so he tried to blackmail him to give the security bot the artifact if he refuses what happens when a player character refuses compromat they become a suspect so he goes, yeah. suspect, the security bot now has the ability to shoot him because he can shoot suspects. So immediately he has no choice. He has to either hand over the artifact or become a criminal and then just shoot him with the gun <laughs> take the artifact off of his corpse. So it is just so creative. There's like so many levels to it. Um, there's also really comedic moments like Demo is the medical bot. 
and I was the Astro chimp. We didn't know this at the time. Um, so Dima tries to turn off the camera so she can knock, pe- knock people out so she can revive them. And as the Astro chimp, I turn the cameras back on. Next round, Medical Bot turns the camera off again. Astro chimp turns it back on again. So now Medical Bot goes one room over and picks up a bludgeon, and the Astro chimp runs away to the other side. <laughs> So it's just like it's just funny and it's great and it's also also a head scratcher like makes you think to come up with these creative solutions but it's funny cartoony um but it's just it's it's deep at the same time it's heavy but also party game I just absolutely love it I can't wait to take it we have a, we have a cottage weekend planned in November for board games and we're six people I'd, I I think it'd be great for like a late night game get all six people in or whoever's still awake to play the game really like it like i like it enough that i can comfortably say like it's in my top 20 for sure i don't know how high but it's for sure in my top 20 games ever like that's how much I oh like my it. oh my god that's high praise Ipo, you've played it once uh, do you have any thoughts on the game yes uh i think it's a brilliant design as you said uh, uh it's funny but at the same time uh uh, scratches your brain and uh, the my problem is that it's a social deduction game as you said it's a more of a party game and it has so many different ways to solve your problem that for people like me that I'm very prone to analysis paralysis I wanted to know every different action that each of the characters could do in order to be able to uh, clarify to myself what's the best process that I could, that I could use, and this is really this for me. It was really overwhelming in uh, in my first game. Uh, point to that that we played the game in uh, tabletop uh, simulator. That's so right. I guess if we had the real copy, it would have been easier one hundred percent. Definitely, you would have still had analysis paralysis. <laughs> The game is definitely prone to analysis paralysis. And that's why I think it's important to remember that silly theme and like try to think of Benny Hill or like Venture Bros or Team Fortress, because if you want to take it too seriously, you could end up really freezing up the table. But this is why I'm feeling really excited to play the game again. And uh, I was thinking not even the second, even I think even the third time would be even better. So every time I, I, I played, it will become even better and better. Yeah, and, there's so uh, many like characters in the game that the level of combinations are always going to be more interesting um, because it's not just about trying all the characters, but trying the characters together because they all influence each other very differently. So, um, But as you said, is a is a party game for heavy gamers and it's... Already, at, at least in my point of view and in my uh, universe, it's hard to find dedicated gamers, uh, dedicated heavy gamers. So we couldn't even find ga- uh, people for a blood in the clock tower, which is like, you know, two sentences, two, two actions, two things have, to remember, at least for your character. Uh, so I, have, I, I, I would imagine problem. having the people. I told you, like, I have so many heavy gamers here, but I haven't played a party game since I like left Qatar basically like except for like with family sometimes I haven't played a party game in so long because most of the people I play prefer heavy games so it's nice that I'll be able to play what is the mindset of a party game but with enough of a 
interesting puzzle that the heavy gamers feel like they had a good time. So, yeah. Oh my God, you're living in paradise. <laughs> the paradise of heavy gamers. Speaking of paradise, <laughs> it's time what? for the Hippocratic Corner, baby. <laughs> how, is the, how are these two related? Okay, uh, yeah, just, just, Hippocratic just, Corner. I like, I like being tucked in a corner with you, okay? Is that... You okay with that? <laughs> Lena? Lena, are you okay with that? Democratic <laughs> corner. Okay, let, let's let's have a talk. Let's have a talk. <laughs> let's have a talk uh, in this episode about our top five, which is top three or fives that we had so far. And what is our favorite, basically? I, I so, really wish you could see me rolling my eyes right now. So this is a, I would say this is a theme inspired. Oh my God, what I, okay. Uh, this is a theme inspired by uh, Greek television where the people uh, keep uh, referring to Greek television. So if you're not <laughs> watching Greek, Greek television, we have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> so I am aware that uh, this is for uh, our, uh, you know, uh, hard fans out there. Hardcore fans. Yeah. Hardcore fans. And uh, yeah, hard fans is a different thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a hard fan, you can reach us at Epo <laughs> At our fan page. OnlyFans.com. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know so, how OnlyFans works. I thought... <laughs> Straight up <laughs> <an> email address. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the good thing is that I believe that even for our uh, new listeners, uh, maybe they can go back to these uh, great top threes or fives yeah. that uh, we came up with. Sure. And uh, remember these old uh, uh, stories and old uh, episodes. Sure. So, what was your process behind okay, finding yeah. your so favorite? I, I thought about this a lot, and um, uh, my no, criteria, my criteria <laughs> is uh, I don't have any criteria because this is a stupid topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was right. I just went through and picked the five ones that I remember fondly, and that was it. Uh, exactly. Okay, that was the point. What was your was, criteria? Yeah. So my idea was that I was uh, I was trying to find the most intriguing, I think, uh, top fives. So okay. the ones that uh, made me uh, scratch my head a little bit more, or more interesting ones. Yeah. If you see it in another in another way. For sure. And, uh, so so mine's kind of like more of an emotional reaction, like. Sometimes I read them and I was like, I just remember listing them. Like, I don't remember anything that happened, but when I, I remember feeling a particular kind of way or something someone said, then I was like, okay, I like those ones. So that's how I picked oh, them. Oh, yeah. so nice. Uh, did, did, you I have did, a, uh, did you have an honorable mention? Sorry. I do have an honorable mention. And I feel that part of uh, uh, the reason that I came up with this uh, top five is because I'm re-listening our old episodes. So uh, it, 
so it gives me this nostalgia to to go back uh, on time and remember the good old days as we uh, say just because you miss us you're basically just doing yes, it because you miss us basic, basically yes but I will never admit it <laughs> so <laughs> the honorable mention is is uh, that, that's very funny I, I, I find it it's top three ga- top three games to smuggle in a country yeah <laughs> and this is very funny because it's episode zero. It's what? it's the episode. No. It's the episode. yes, it's the episode. I think it's the episode we never released. Oh, we did it again though. No, we did not it, with the we same did it top episode three. thirty. Top top no. three games to did smuggle we? into a country that has banned board games. Yeah. No way. <laughs> okay, so it could have been in my top five, but. Maybe you can say that I'm, I'm referring to episode zero. Also, how so, do you have access to episode zero? I don't. I just remember <laughs> the top, the top uh, three. Okay. It was a top three maybe, back, maybe back then. Maybe it was so bad, by the way. I remember we, we let people hear it, and everyone was so uncomfortable. I know I talk a lot on this podcast in general, but like no one said anything except me. And we, we, we let a few friends hear it, and Epo's friend said, your friend Elias sounds like maybe he just should have a solo podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole point of having the podcast, though. Oh, it was a little hurtful. To talk, to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, let me check. Uh, no, because this is a stupid top five. Okay, let's oh proceed. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. You, oh, let uh, me, let uh, me jump you, into my, my number five. Yeah, you go first. My number five from episode 30. Top three games to smuggle into a country that is banned board game. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so it's this one. And the reason that I wanted to, there were two reasons I really liked it. One, I didn't even really make a top three. I just decided for some stupid reason that I was just going to list games about smuggling. That was my entire criteria. So I picked Sheriff of Nottingham, the game Smugglers, and the game Cornish Smugglers. Like That was the whole game. But the reason I love it is because Ricky Royal gave us his top three games that he would smuggle. And Ricky Royal is my favorite solo playthrough guy. He's very relaxing, I find. And he does a great job explaining. So he picked uh, Friday Greenland, um, which is the sister game of Neanderthal, and uh, Cosmic Wimp Out. So um, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed having him contribute to the game, and just having any sort of communication with Ricky was uh, uh, a uh, great Man. thing. He's also a great designer. He did Renegade, which is one of my favorite solo games as well. So uh, yeah. He seems to be a great uh, guy, and uh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So, uh, okay, that was great, but I just realized that uh, I am not. Uh, I don't have in my notes the episode number. I have. I only have. Go ahead. You tell me, oh. and I'll find it. Okay. So my number five is build a three-game collection. That would be from episode fourteen. Yeah, so I, I feel that this is uh, very basic, but at the same time very important. Uh, let's say, yeah, you you have only three games, and that's all you're gonna play for the rest of your life. 
And I, uh, uh, at that time, I came up with a uh, junk company, Aids of Steam, <laughs> <laughs> that we mentioned in today's episode, and Dominant Species. Yeah. So that that's a that was a hell good, of a collection, but like you can only ever be in one mood with that collection. I remember talking about this. Like, if you feel like having a lighter game, too fucking bad for you. Like, <laughs> yes, what you have. like if you have 30, 30 minutes, no, forget about it. <laughs> go do some. Go cook. I wanna I wanna rush my number four in here because my number four from episode fourteen is build a three game collection. <laughs> oh, just following me. And maybe just because it's maybe the only ever useful Hippocratic corner we've ever done. Like, it was genuinely useful. Usually it's just stupid shit. And I picked uh, Terra Mystica, Tigris and Euphrates, and Gloomhaven. So there you go. You picked Tigris and Euphrates? Yeah. I do think that's one of the best, like, strategy games you can play um, with a simple rule set. Um, It is. It's amazing. And Gloomhaven. Terra Mystica was like my Euro game of choice. Terra Mystica is like my area control game of choice. And Gloomhaven is like if you want to go around hitting, you know, zombies with a big club. It's, perfect. No, it's an excellent uh, collection. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I think got... so. That's why I put them as my top three. <laughs> okay, so n- my number four is uh, top three games that blew your mind. Yeah. Who uh, later be, uh, became a, a very famous list in Board Game Geek, where people were uh, contributing uh, games that uh, came out of, uh, uh, you know, uh, unique and innovative designers, and they brought something new to the, to the hobby. And that was episode 15. So in episode... Okay, so that, that was back-to-back. Yeah, man. Uh, and my top three was Pandemic, because it was a cooperative, it, it was the first cooperative game I played. Uh, Puerto Rico, that was the first uh, Euro game that, okay, Puerto Rico is, is unique in so many ways, but uh, it's an excellent game. And El Grande was the first area control game that I played. And all three of them were uh, really made a huge impression, and uh, uh, I, I really will never forget the first time I played them. Yeah, it's a great it's a great, it was a great list and you're right it kind of became quite popular on BGG. I actually have a link to that from our BGG guild and you can check it out there. It had like 200 likes, it hit the front page and so many people posted all sorts of games and it was really a fun conversation. Um and uh it was really nice to have everybody post their own stuff on there. Nice pick. I thought about that one. That was a good pick. But I didn't put it. Um, oh, my number three is from episode one. Top three games to turn into a movie slash TV series. Um, maybe <laughs> it's nostalgia, uh, but it, it was to me like the truest definition of what the Hippocratic Corner was supposed to be when when I came up with it. Like the idea was, Hippocratic Corner sounds philosophical right? So like philosophical conversations tying into board games. So it was supposed to be things that were adjacent to board games, not necessarily board. We spent a lot of the time actually just talking about our favorite games doing this or that, which is great. It became its own thing. But that to me is the truest Hippocratic Corner we've ever done. 
because we weren't talking about board games. We were just talking about things from board games and other thing and other forms. Oh, maybe I neglected yeah. to tell Ipo this uh, definition of the hypocritic corner. Um, <laughs> And it was honestly the only list that we were actually ever qualified to do because we didn't actually have to give opinions on games, just cool themes. And I remember uh, my number one was Euphoria, and it was also Ipo's number one. So yeah, uh, I think all in all, we all agree that Euphoria would probably be like one of the best things to turn into. So uh, we just like the dystopian futures. Yeah, yeah. It was directed by Wes Anderson, I think, was the because like you oh can imagine him like going on the set from like euphoria down to the people underground and they're like you know and then you go up to the people in the clouds and all that it could be a fun like visual experiment can, can we send this to jamie stegmeyer the designer of the game i i believe uh, he, not that he had one, no. said i believe he had said in an interview something similar to that he he loved more the world that he created for euphoria more than the other uh, games he as you should it's definitely the best design. world it's 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 so great like the humor in it is top top level you know sarc- sarcastic cynical vision of the future and i love it so that was my number three top three games turned into a movie or tv series from episode one of our podcast okay so my number three is top three times we were wrong that was recent wasn't it Yes, on that was the one that I was 38. not. That was I was not part. Oh yeah, it was the Byron <laughs> one that I oh, criticized it. last episode, and I really liked it. I really liked the idea behind it because it. Uh, I believe the the most important thing of these top threes and top fives is to uh, tell stories. Sure, and and this is what I loved in this one. And I really missed not being there. So kudos to Byron for this one. Very nice. And that was from episode 38. Okay. My number two from episode 28. Top three games to end friendships. Uh, that was the episode we had Arsenion as a guest host on. And uh, first of all, it was just nice to hang out with Arseny. But secondly, my my topic was Pericles, which I still stand by, just based on the amount of people that hate Hippocrates because of Pericles. It, <laughs> it's just perfect. Like every time we play, like I remember Basil driving, messaging a group and saying, I won this game, and but I'm driving home and I'm so angry and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I could probably find the message, but it was just it was just hilarious. And every time we had Eugenio, Eugenio, who's by the way just recovering from surgery, get well soon, buddy. Um, he yeah. uh, shout he out li- to Eugenio. He literally like stood up um, during the game and just left and went and started playing another game. Pericles. <laughs> uh, so that was my number one. But the other reason I love it is. My number three, I picked Days of Ire in my top three, which was the first game that I played with Arseny where he saw me lose my temper, like my famous temper, which I'm getting better at every day. Um, (laughs) I lost my temper during that game. I lost my shit. And he saw that happen. And I, I sort of took the episode as a chance to like 
confront that this? fact it, with Arseny the, and kind want, of apologize for it. This is it the was Soviet the one in, in, in the Budapest one, yeah. Budapest, the Budapest. Yeah, World War II thing. And I kind of took that opportunity to tell Arseny, look, I know that I was crazy. And, um, you know, like, I get it. But I put that in my top three. I really enjoyed it. That whole topic is funny to me. And uh, it's from episode 28, so check it out if you're interested. Um, you had Diplomacy, I believe, as your top. But you did have Pericles in there as number three. So, Yes, yeah, so my number two uh, is, I know the episode for this one, because it's episode 28, and it's top three <laughs> games to end friendship. <laughs> and as you said, yes, Pericles was my number three. Game of Thrones was my number two, and Diplomacy was my number one. All of them have this uh, uh, same theme where you need to stab your uh, partner or your ally at some point of the game, and uh, people won't forget that, uh, even if they say they will. <laughs> I do, I do so, want to point out that Dima had Battlestar Galactica as her number three on that list. <laughs> Which oh my everyone by now knows the story is the game where uh, that tested our relationship uh, probably the most of any. Yes, yeah, so also game with traitors uh, you should avoid if you cannot uh, <laughs> handle these situations. Uh, it's funny. It's funny because two weeks ago a friend of mine asked me if I have diplomacy, and I said no. I like you too much to do that. <laughs> And, and, and as he asked you if you have diplomacy, you said, no, you're no longer my friend. Fuck off. <laughs> I, I believe the problem with diplomacy compared to every other game is that it takes so much time. Yeah. So, so this alliance, this relationship is being built during this time. So if you're playing for six, seven hours yeah. and you strategize and you go to the same room with this guy and you uh, find a way to uh, survive and to attack and to... Uh, you know, build your empire and at some point he stops in the back and allies <laughs> with another player. It, yeah, it's uh, unforgettable. Uh, yeah, it was a great uh, top three. So what's your number one? My number one, uh, again, very close to episodes next to each other, from episode 29, I'm pretty sure this might be yours as well, it's top three games to save for humanity. Um, which was right after the episode on ending friendships. Um, on episode 29, my top game was Virgin Queen, just because I wanted to have Virgin Queen there. And uh, But the reason it's my favorite is because Jamie Stegmeier gave us his top three, and he oh. picked his own game as number one. <laughs> <laughs> to save for humanity. He picked Tapestry as number one. And it's just so funny, because like, I don't know. It just it just cracked me up that like he was like the one number one game I would say for all of posterity for humanity is my most recent game. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to, to give uh, some credit, it, it's a civilization game, so I guess it yeah. makes sense to to save something. I'm not criticizing oh. him. I think you shoot your shots when you can, and I'm proud of him. I'm what just were saying, the other two that he, uh, he picked? He picked the crew and chess. So that he holds his game in that high esteem. Chess tapestry, <laughs> right next. <laughs> Sorry, tapestry um, two steps above. Chess. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so, so first tapestry, yeah. then chess. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, interesting. That was uh, also very nice. Uh, I 
That, but that's not my number one. Interesting. It wasn't in your top five, huh? My number one is top three games for life sentenced prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> what I the fuck were we uh, on uh, at that time? <laughs> I liked so much the idea because I, I basically I still remember that that each one had a different idea of what what is to be a life sentence prisoner. <laughs> so that was early on too. That was episode three. Like that's yeah. early days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then I, I couldn't come up with uh, such brilliant ideas anymore. Only the beginning. I uh, think so, somebody was like, I want a game that can like I can use to escape the prison like with the components and stuff. I can't remember who it yes, was. Yes, I think Byron did that. No, because the games he picked were not that. He picked D&D. <laughs> he picked Monikers. Oh. And the campaign for North Africa, which is that game that takes like, um, <laughs> forever, yes. Forever, Hello. like where you have to like do the rations for the Italian soldiers and stuff. D and is um, an excellent uh, choice, by the way. You picked Bridge as your number one. I picked Bridge as my number one, but I wouldn't do it anymore because, I mean, the, okay, I understand that Bridge is, might be the best answer to this uh, problem, but since this is a a board game uh, a podcast, I feel that Bridge doesn't fit. So advanced uh, civilization would be pushed up to your number one spot? I was thinking that, I, I'm not sure what would be the top three, but I was thinking Bridge would be replaced by Steam. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are you have some recency bias there, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I feel the same. But right now, really, I feel that it's, it's a game that you can teach easily. And it has amazing replayability. There are a ton of maps out there that you can print and play. Uh, the components are so easy to uh, find. No, that's not true to be honest, because you have the hexagon tiles. Okay, but uh, it's cheap to manufacture or to replace uh, component missing. And uh, yeah, the replayability is uh, amazing. Uh, I'm not so sure about the advanced civilization that I have voted at that time. Uh, or the Captain Sonar, but Captain Sonar, I felt it was a really fun game that can play up to eight. So I was thinking it's a good idea since you can have all these uh, players, buddies, but your 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 prison buddies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So you can, or you can, you know, you can make a so a small uh, I'm uh, just, tournaments I'm just... between. Uh, you know, like uh, you're just uh, trying to have make prison a good time for, but I'm just trying to I think of advanced, advanced civ. If like you traded with another prisoner and you gave them a disaster card, <laughs> they might stab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, all the oh, it, it would be fun to revisit all of these top threes because I I feel that I would have uh, different ideas for each one of them. Yeah, but you know, it's a capture in time and that's what it is. We can't go back and change George Lucas, okay? Listen to me, George. You can't go back and change things. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for that, us jerking ourselves off top five. That was terrific. I'm so glad we were able to massage our egos by talking about things that we've done. Um, really, <laughs> really, I felt like it was very useful for everyone listening. But like it's very that. useful for us if we get some feedback for our list from our listeners. So, for our listeners, please don't forget to let us know what your uh, top five uh, or top three was 
uh, in our board game geek guild and you can find the link to that in our episode description and that brings us to the end of this tabletop <laughs> session thank you so much for listening make sure to follow us on instagram at tabletop sessions join the conversation share a fun story of board game shenaniganism or even hooliganism and let us know what your favorite ever lists from the Hippocratic corner have what? been over our board game guilt. And you can find the link to both of these in the episode description. We also, we've talked about it a bunch. We have a YouTube channel now. Uh, you can listen to podcasts. You can watch some gaming sessions. Neanderthal, if you really want to wrap, if, if I intrigued you, that might be the place to go. Someone even said very entertaining, kept us on our toes till the end. Listen to that guy. He was Robert Ebert's grandson, I'm sure. We'll be back in a month. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye. Arrivederci, guys. Arrivederci, Roma. Table top top. Table, table top. Table, table top. Table, table top. Session. And that's a wrap, which is a new expression I learned. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got all, it. <laughs> all the podcasts I, I, I'm listening to.